it's Saturday, August the 14th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist. Coming up, the Taliban's inexorable advance and July the hottest ever month. First, the week in brief. The Taliban's reconquering of Afghanistan continued unabated, with Kabul, the capital, now firmly in the militant's sights. Western countries prepared to evacuate embassy staff and other nationals from the city, and there were long queues at the airport as people tried to flee the insurgents' advance. A concerted assault on Kabul may only be weeks away. On Friday, the Taliban captured Kandahar and Herat, Afghanistan's second and third largest cities, adding to a swathe of provincial capitals now under their control. Mitch McConnell, the highest-ranking Republican in the Senate, said America's hasty withdrawal from Afghanistan, which tipped the military balance decisively in the Taliban's favour, was akin to its humiliating retreat from Saigon in 1975. July was the hottest month worldwide ever recorded, according to America's National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration. The combined land and ocean surface temperature was 0.93 degrees Celsius above the 20th century average of 15.8 degrees Celsius, beating the previous record by 0.01 degrees Celsius. That was set in 2016 and has been matched twice since. This year will probably rank among the top 10 warmest on record, the agency predicted. 38 people have now been killed by flash flooding in the Black Sea region of northern Turkey that began on Wednesday. More rain is expected in the area. The disaster is a fresh blow to a country which has only just begun to bring wildfires that had spread across the south under control. A federal judge refused to block the ban on evictions covering most of America. A series of moratoriums have protected renters since early in the pandemic, but the measures lapsed last month. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention introduced a new ban last week in response to a surge in cases of the Delta variant. But the Supreme Court is unlikely to support the most recent ban unless it has congressional approval. Malaysia's Prime Minister urged opposition MPs to back him ahead of a confidence vote. As an inducement, Muhyiddin Yassin promised them political reforms. The country has been in political crisis since several lawmakers from the biggest party in his ruling coalition resigned on August 3rd. Mr Yassin has been repeatedly pressed to prove that he can command a parliamentary majority, or else resign. Smokes from wildfires last year may have led to higher numbers of COVID-19 cases and deaths in the American West, researchers at Harvard University found. Wildfire smoke contains a lot of tiny, dangerous pollutants known as PM2.5. Exposure to such particulates, specifically from fires, can lower a person's immune response and increase respiratory problems. Virgin Galactic shares fell after Richard Branson, the company's founder, sold $300 million worth of stock. A month ago, Mr Branson flew on Virgin Galactic's first manned flight to space. He beat Jeff Bezos, Amazon's founder, by a few days, though Mr Bezos' Blue Origin craft blasted him further from the planet. Mr Branson's remaining stake in Virgin Galactic is worth $1.2 billion. And word of the week. Koreaboo. Noun. A non-Korean who is obsessed with Korean pop culture. And now here's today's agenda. Light and Bubbly, the story of champagne. It is sipped at film premieres, guzzled at weddings and sprayed at finish lines. Famous devotees include Winston Churchill, who quaffed thousands of bottles of Paul Roger, and Marilyn Monroe, who said she liked to, quote, wake up each morning to a glass of Piper Heidsieck. As if not already enough of a symbol of conspicuous consumption, 
In 2013, bottles decorated with 19 karat diamonds were released, priced at a mere 1.2 million pounds, 1.8 million dollars. A new documentary, Sparkling, explains how champagne became the luxury beverage of choice and assesses the industry today. The Comité Interprofessional du Vin de Champagne, a trade organisation, stipulates that it must be produced in the French region after which it is named. But two legendary champagne houses might burst its bubble. Increasingly unpredictable weather has led Tatinger and Pomery to buy vineyards in England. At a blind tasting in 2016, Parisian restaurateurs preferred English sparkling wine over the traditional stuff. Mon Dieu! Politics by other means. Bollywood and war films. India's Independence Day on Sunday will be a jingoistic affair. Though the pandemic means there will be less literal flag-waving than usual, patriots can embrace this year's theme of Nation First, Always First through new films designed to marshal spirits. Sher Sher, about a hero of the Kargil War against Pakistan in 1999, codenamed King of Lions, came out on Thursday. The next day, Bouge, the Pride of India, the tale of an Air Force squadron leader who recruited 300 village women to rebuild an airstrip during the Indo-Pakistani War of 1971, was released. Ekis and Sam Bahadur, both set during that war, follow next month. After years of Hindu nationalistic chest-thumping by Narendra Modi, India's Prime Minister, the popularity of war films is predictable. Nor is it surprising that Pakistan, and by proxy Islam, is often the enemy. But beyond the hagiographies of valiant men, Bollywood also makes films about war's dark side, and one on women in the Air Force is in the works. Quite the counter-offensive. A Mammoth Journey Trailing an Ice Age Giant Mammoth tusks, like tree rings, grew in layers throughout their lives. Analysis of a 17,000-year-old specimen in science, a journal, exploits that property to tell the epic story of one male mammoth. Researchers charted his week-by-week movements by matching traces found in the tusk against an isotopic map of his native Alaska. He spent his juvenile years migrating with his herd, but aged 15 was expelled. He then set off to roam alone, a behavioural pattern still seen in elephants. Over the next decade, he wandered far and wide, covering almost enough ground during his 28-year lifespan to circle the Earth twice. But he spent his final 18 months in a small area above the Arctic Circle, where one lean winter he perished of hunger. Telling other mammoths' life stories would require splitting open more precious tusks. But with such treasures locked inside, the temptation may prove irresistible. Playing the Gaffer Fantasy Football The English Premier League returns this weekend, and with it Fantasy Premier League. The popular game gives fans an imaginary £100 million, $140 million, to spend acquiring real-life football players for a virtual squad, competing with family, friends and colleagues in their own leagues. The success of FPL, which enticed 8 million entrants last season, has spawned several cottage industries. A wealth of small companies offer to optimise fantasy teams for a small fee, while a network of podcasts and Twitter pundits offer other ways to keep pace. Increasingly, the worlds of real and fantasy football are colliding. Media outlets like The Athletic have hired FPL correspondents. And last season, enthusiasts got the scoop on player injuries and transfers by watching who professional footballers put in their FPL teams. For the Premier League itself, fantasy football burnishes its international reputation. Many of the players who fill the FPL's leagues are from outside England, 
demonstrating the Premier League's reach around the world. Saturday Profile Yvonne Aki Sawyer Yvonne Aki Sawyer, the 53-year-old mayor of Freetown, Sierra Leone's capital, never wanted to be a politician. The daughter of an academic and a midwife, she trained as a chartered accountant. But four years ago today, the side of a mountain above the city collapsed. A torrent of water, mud and rocks tore down hundreds of houses, sweeping them into a river. Around 1,000 people were killed in five minutes. That, along with Freetown's sanitation and deforestation problems, prompted Miss Aki Sawyer to run for office. Born and raised in the city, Miss Aki Sawyer studied economics at Fora Bay College before doing a master's degree at the London School of Economics. Afterwards, she worked in Britain as an investment director for a company that runs development projects in Sierra Leone. When the country suffered an Ebola outbreak in 2014, she rushed home to help the response, eventually receiving an OBE for her efforts. On returning, she was shocked by the rapid deforestation in and around Freetown and the city's terrible sanitation. Miss Aki Sawyer spent 2016 and 2017 working with the government on a post-Ebola recovery project under which she helped to launch Operation Clean Freetown. She installed the city's first ever sewage treatment plant and launched a scheme to plant one million trees in two years. Many of them are now sprouting on the city's once balding hills. Since being elected mayor in 2018, it has not always been plain sailing. Shortly after taking office, a stranger attacked Miss Aki Sawyer with a plank. Her party is in the opposition at the national level, which can lead to deadlock. And attempts to push reforms are often met with resistance in Sierra Leone. Miss Aki Sawyer's star is rising. This autumn, she will attend COP26, the UN Climate Summit in Glasgow, where she will emphasise that while richer countries might have higher emission rates, poorer ones are the first to be hit by climate change. There are few better suited to convey such a crucial message. Finally, here's the quote of the day from H.G. Wells, who died on August 13th, 1946. Moral indignation is jealousy with a halo. That's it from The Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening. 